1: We have to be in the battle We we fight. And we're, we're conquerors. I love that.
2: It's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is for you to become your best by calling you in to the arena of manhood, calling you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and calling you up to your absolute best version of you. Because when you get it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode.
0: Men in the Arena Army, we we salute salute you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena Podcast. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with our producer and co-host, Dale Culver. How you doing, man? I'm good, good, good. Three goods. Wow,
2: that's impressive. Really,
0: really good. Really, really, really good. All right. Uh Well, hey, I'm really good because I'm really excited about our guest today. Uh, This guy has taken his 25 years of military service, and he's compared that with actual battlefield and spiritual warfare and how it affects men. And this is what he does. He travels around, he speaks to different groups and does this. And I'm really excited about this unique perspective on manhood, and I'm pumped. But before we get into that, I want to encourage our listeners to Get on there and write a review do it. Uh, of this podcast. What it does, guys, when you do that, it just moves us up in the search engine. Uh, when guys search, it comes up faster, and it just helps us out. So if you're enjoying this podcast, if it's helping you out, uh, please help us out. That'd be great. Yeah. We and just want to help more guys. Yep, we want to help more guys. And the more that we can get those reviews going, the more it'll move us up. We don't get any money for the podcast. The anyway, world changes. The world, yep. Yeah. Hey, you got a man word for me today. Guard. Hold on a second. You can't just like <laughs> just throwing it out there, baby. Okay, well, my word, I was going to guess was warfare, so I was wrong. I knew you so, were. So why why guard? Why guard?
2: Well, I guard. We need to be on guard. We need protecting um, because there is spiritual warfare going on, and so we need to be on guard. And uh, I think we did a podcast a while ago about the code, the color codes.
0: And yes. And Cooper's Codes yeah. of Readiness. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You need to be on guard, man. That Get was with B.J. Talbot. That was way back in yeah, our first year. Way
2: yeah. back, yeah. So, you know, just uh, your ears are perked up, your eyes are open,
0: and you're watching for what's coming. Yeah, and I would even say not even a spiritual attack for sure. That's what we're going to focus on. But I would sure. say even just from doing stupid stuff. Yeah. Because guys do stupid things if they're not on alert. We're gonna actually we're gonna spend a lot of time camping on this. So uh, you got me on the word, Dale. You threw me off, man. I went with the two syllables, and you you sh- sh- shot me down with one. So hey, I'm excited about our new friend today, Eves Johnson. Hey, Eves is a 54 year old guy lives with his wife of 22 years, Jennifer, in Dover, Florida. Eves is the president of Christ is My Savior Ministries and the author of two books, numerous articles on self-improvement and leadership, and he currently develops training program for team building, growth, and executive coaching. While serving in Afghanistan, he was responsible for the morale and welfare of more than 22,000 people from a diverse set of backgrounds, and not just Americans, from what I understand, right, Eves? Correct. So this Prayer. is really I really am impressed with this, and I'm really excited to get him on. So, Eves, welcome to Men in the Arena Podcast, man. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
0: Hey, man, it's an honor to have you here, buddy. And thank you, thank you for your service. Before I get going, yeah. thank, You're you. Right. thank you. I know that we throw that around Appreciate sometimes. But for, for us here, it really means a lot that our guys are out there getting it done and out outside the wire. And so, uh, <laughs> which uh, that's the book <laughs> we're going to talk about is your book, Outside the Wire. But before we talk about your book, Outside the Wire. Eves, we're going to throw you outside the wire for our rapid-fire round. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, man. So what I did is I pulled, I call this key phrases from your book round. I kind of made this one up. This is the first one. You had some phrases in your book. I really, really, uh, really liked them and was intrigued by them. And I I want to ask you in this rapid-fire round to go with your gut and tell me what these words mean in the context of manhood. Sounds good. Okay. First phrase from your book, head on a swivel. Being alert. Oh, you're not. Okay. You, you want to explain it?
1: Oh, okay. Head on a swivel is something one of the other command sergeant majors. I'm a Air Force guy, so I would call it Chief Master Sergeant. But I was filling a position for the Army command sergeant majors, and one of the meetings, he noticed, or oh, he started saying that we need to always have a head on the swivel, and always looking around be alert. There were people who were trying to do some nasty things to us, and sometimes people are inside the organization. So, are we really paying attention to that, as well as make sure our troops, or I mean, our personnel, that they were paying attention and alert all the things that's going on? And it kind of harkens back to first uh, Corinthians 16, 13, and 14.
0: I love, I was a football, college football player, and if you didn't keep your head oh, in your yeah. swivel, You were staring at the stars with snot bubbles coming out of your nose. So (laughs) I really do appreciate that phrase. Hey, next phrase from your book on page 23, thin red line.
1: Well, I I stole that from Netanyahu, Prime Minister Netanyahu. talk about that. And he was talking with President Obama and a few other people saying that if Iran get to this particular line here and doing their nuclear capability, it's over. So I said, how can we use that to us as men? How can we look around? How far are you going to let things keep going? Some of us are being passive. Some of us are not doing what we should do. So if you wait too long and get that one thin red line, what can happen? It may be too late for you to uh, do the things you need to to keep your family intact, your church, or even yourself.
0: So there's also a movie out. An old war movie from, I think, the 80s called Thin Red Line. Is thin red line synonymous with drawing a line in the sand? Yes, it is. Okay, I, I actually did not know that. So, oh, no, I, okay. I, I didn't know that. And I actually, from your book, I was trying to figure out, I thought that's what it meant. And I just want to be so the thin red line. Okay.
1: Yes, I used that in the book, but my last seminar, when you, you saw me in Florida, I didn't use that term because you. Hey, I try to make it not too much the military, and not just said, line in the sand. But I tell them inside the seminar, instead of line in the sand, what's your line in the concrete? A sand can wash away, but let's make something permanent. I won't go this far. I need to pull them backwards. Kind of when you're doing work, you know your uh, expectation date. You actually the date to have something complete completed could be five months from now, but if you keep pushing it. You go to six weeks, six months. But your line, she said, no, I'm gonna move it to the left instead of going to the right. I'm gonna make things less so I can be prepared and well take care of business.
0: Well, you know what? That's so good, man. I resonate with the thin red line because I think as men, it seems like we don't draw the line in the sand anymore. Like we we we, we see men today are they don't draw the line in the sand about you know their marriage or their kids or their theology or. They just they, do you see that as an issue in Florida as a, as much as up here in Oregon?
1: I saw that same thing in every place I've been for the last several years. Mm. And since I started doing this thing called biblical manhood, I talk about that portion. We're not women. Nothing against women, so this does not say the sex but we react to things different and we have a mantle we need to have heavy as the head that wears the crown. God put us in a position of leadership, so what we must do, we must lead. Well, what does that mean? Sometimes I'm teaching my daughter now: take the hit. And the take the hit is that I can let some things go, but they mean bring you to us, and then we can make you into the camp, bring you into the camp, and help you become a better Christian. But some of us have abdicated our responsibility, and some of us also had after we asked society. Society said, "We are just how a man should live." No, you cannot tell us how a biblical man should live. We should be telling you. And not just telling you, but also showing you how we should live. So yes, I've seen it.
0: Yeah, I think that we do a really good job in our culture of emasculating biblical manhood, and um, oh, definitely. And we need to. Is, yeah. We just, I just dropped uh, our organization. We just dropped our insurance company because their uh, commercials were misandristic, which which is man hater uh, commercials. Really? And so we had to drop, we just, I just won't tolerate that. And so it's kind of my lawn in the sand, right? My line in the sand. So, hey, so the next one, next word on page 32, uh, I I love this. I know you have something to say about this because I read it in the book. Convergent point.
1: (laughs) Yes. It's interesting you asked me to use that one. Just a few days ago, they asked me in our men's ministry, can you believe that some people didn't follow Jesus and, Um, Peter was so strong, but then when it came to the issue uh, and they saw the source, he ran. I saw a lot of us do the same thing, too. Uh, I can be the best Christian on Sunday and Monday and Wednesday, but when the heat comes, that conversion point, my faith and reality come together in that conversion point, one of two things, either I'm a stand or I'm a run. We just had the Boston Marathon, correct? And remember, just a couple years ago, there was a couple type of people, those who ran into the issue and the problem to save people and those that ran. Well, the men—you you go back and look at the videos. It was men running to the problems. They weren't saying, "Oh, come hold me, 95-year-old lady, and carry me out of here." No, they were carrying the people out. The conversion points come right there. Do I really believe what I say, and I'm gonna live it out? That's a conversion point. That's difficult because we think we can do some things, but oh, another example to admit a question. I said, "Have you ever had an RPG?" coming to your compound, or someone you know would die. It wasn't like in Afghanistan, same thing in Iraq, and the tell place you're going to be at, that someone might die. You just wait, because you know that somebody's gonna die. So it's a, the urgency is a little different. Now I say, well, I bet many of us in this room right now, if the heat comes, or the RPG, rocket, uh, rocket, uh, rock I'm sorry, propel uh, grenade, it comes in, all of a sudden, you start getting nervous and scared. So, conversion point, reality.
0: And I think that convergent point comes to the theme of your book, which is being on guard. If we're always on guard—this is what I got from your book—then That then that convergent point, will be ready when the faith, exactly. our faith, meets reality. I thought it was really interesting what yeah. you just said, because I really do believe that not only are men leaders, uh, that you said that, he, that, that heavy is the crown. You know, I think not only are men natural leaders, I think men are natural sacrificers, too— that it's it's the men who run into the fray.
1: Yes, you're right about that. I agree, hundred percent. And so I, I remember thought, you said something like that in one of your um, podcasts. I said, "I like how you said that. That's awesome. I'm going to steal that."
0: Oh, steal it! <laughs> I stole it from somebody else, brother. Well, you know it's it's, it's you know it's interesting. You know we tend to vilify men in our society until we need them to die for their country or we need them to run into a a bomb blast at the Boston Marathon and save a child or we need them to uh, get in their rowboat and save people who are drowning in in the floods in Iowa. You know, uh, men are the ones that rise the occasion and I'm not bad-mouthing women because women play a role in that too but it's the men who are willing to die. Correct. And if you don't believe it, just look at the Vietnam Memorial. 58,300 names Eight of those are women.
1: Mm, I don't think those numbers are that close to each one another. So I, I agree with you. It's hundred percent more so that we are the ones are doing it, as you said, the sacrificer, the protectors, the warrior. I agree.
0: Yeah, which is why I, I love the book because you you really get to the heart of the book. So hey, the next one here, and I, I need you to explain this one a little bit. On page forty five you talk forty seven, you talked about the asymmetrical war. What is that?
1: A of wars is, I'm going to fight you, you're going to fight me. We kind of see what's going on. When it's asymmetrical, it's not the normal. It'll be something totally out of the ordinarily, ordinary. But, for instance, right now, and you could have a particular war. So I'm not saying anyone at all. Just give, work with, okay. One day, they may be the enemy, but some of the same people maybe work with you to get the same enemy. So now, who do you really trust? Now, bring that to us right now. There are people who talk Christianese but really aren't living their Christian life. Look at your Facebook friends. I'm using for instance. I see many of my friends or several of my friends who just say, I talk about Christianity and what it can do for you and how it affects my life and to encourage you to come. Some of them say, instead of talking about all the great things we do, what they should be doing as other Christian warriors, they're talk about why Christianity Christianity is bad and what has happened and what we should support Islam and others. So I have I can say I had um spirited conversation with them. I said, How can you <laughs> <laughs> how can you talk about the bad, but I talk about all the good? And I said, you can go back to something simple I saying hospitals. that came from from us, so a lot of universities. You go back for how many things. Christianity had brought to the world, but you don't want to um, talk about one time or, or two events. Uh, there's one person in Colorado did something, so all Christians, but you know better than that. So now we have the enemy who, don't, who do not like us, meaning the, I said like. let me rephrase that. Some people don't support Christianity, those who staunchly are opposed to us, but then within that same warfare, you have people who should be with us who's fighting against us to weaken
0: us. Well, an example would be the media. So there are people in the media who profess to be Quite Christians but 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 really do more to harm the gospel because they're actually preaching something that's not the gospel. They preach a, you know, unitarian philosophy or some weird philosophy. Now, now here's a question I have though. When you when I hear asymmetrical warfare and I try to translate that to spiritual warfare, I also think of that this war that is being waged in the heavenly realms is a guerrilla type of warfare. That there's mm-hmm. a, there's anything that Satan will do anything to get to the heart of a man, even if it's unconventional. Was that kind of part of the book as well?
1: Yes. Uh, and we talk about that in the workshops a little bit saying okay. that how we had to, to go back to the beginning about being on guard. And we talk about several, quite quite a few different things. And but what, what I will do first, I'll ask who's in the audience, because I want to get something that really affects all of them. And some of the men, which I have been a little surprised at, they didn't know there's really a spiritual warfare. They really thought and looked at, oh, no, I'm going to get this. And if I do this, I come to church on Sunday, everything's going to go. No, no, no. This things happening that you don't even see. So you have to be on guard. And part of being on guard in that warfare is to what? Also praying over your family, praying with your family, and just being alert. What's happening? What's different in my home now than was last week? Now, things are changing a little bit. So that's how you're looking at the spiritual aspect of it and how you got to fight in that warfare, yes.
0: I appreciate that. At the end of each chapter, you have something called a battle plan. Can you explain that?
1: If the individual, like most men, we like to execute something, the battle plan, instead of saying a summary or to do things or anything like that, I say, well, how do you get back to this battle? We're talking about spiritual warfare, so I use that for them as something to uh, what's in it for me, as well as what I'm going to do, also, and then they can go back and look at the end. This is what I have been doing in my uh, walk with Christ and become a better man. And then he said, "Oh, this actually is working, and how I can become better." But also keep it in the forefront. This is a battle. In fact, if you are there, first thing I talk about, I say, "Men, we're in the battle," and then I start talking about whatever we talk about because I want them to be focused that this is a battle. They may not see it. But that's why it's a little more harder because you don't see it; you just feel a little comfortable.
0: Yeah, it is a battle, and I, I wish our guys would understand that. We're going to get to a statistic that's not in your book that I want to address. Okay. I think you'll find really, really interesting. But hey, before we do that, man, why don't you tell us about yourself? Uh, let our readers get to know you a little bit more. Any things that anything you want to know about your you want to tell us about your life, your hobbies, if your, your family, whatever you want to tell us.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Uh, again, ease. Nigel Johnson, I uh, was a military for 25 years. Now I have a, now i probably called Christ and My Savior's Ministries. So I also have a little small consulting firm, Cornerstone Leadership Development, you known as the Cornerstone, got ahead of Kristen portion. Oh, of yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So I <laughs> talk about uh, mental resiliency, spiritual resiliency, teamwork, different things, how to make us better as men and also as companies and individuals. i married to uh, my sweetheart, Jennifer. We have the opportunity to spend a lot of time together because she retired out the Air Force. Also, uh, we have uh, the opportunity to be with our grandkids quite often, so that has been a pleasure. I love to travel. I love golf. I'm not that great at it. Uh, <laughs> some days I'm looking pretty well. I may be Tiger Woods. Other day I may be Panther in the woods. So <laughs> 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 it's good day to be uh, Tiger Woods right now, man. <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. Uh, I just love speaking and teaching. About Christianity, I've been in the ministry since uh, September '99. i Had not planned on being in anything in the ministry. I like being a pew potato because kind of neat to sit there and do nothing. But I kept being compelled to come forth, but that was a struggle. But then it, it, it fit. And i when you, I think of a scene out of Return of the Titan. No, remember the Titans. He took these boys through up and down the dale and all this stuff, and he got to the field. He said sanctuary. I think the same thing too. When I'm in front of the men, talking to them, showing them how they can become better and cursing them and become better or, or preaching, but you're helping to move men, as uh, Bill Hybel said, from here to there. If you can show them that they're there and help move with them, they'll go all they'll call with you all the time.
0: I didn't realize you've been doing this. You've been in full-time ministry
1: for since 99 with men? Uh, no, I've been in ministry since um, okay. 99. Okay, okay. So, but other men's ministries, 2005. Okay,
0: wow, that's, yeah. that's still so that's a long time. Wow, I appreciate what you're doing there. So here's the t- statistic. Here, <laughs> here's the statistic I want to read to you. Uh, I just okay. I, I think it was in a book I read years ago by Barna, and he he surveyed evangelical Christians and found that 32 percent of them do not believe Satan exists. And you had said in your seminars that you have get guys in your seminars that are like, "Wow, I never even knew spiritual warfare was out of there." And uh, you know, it's interesting. Second Corinthians four eighteen says that which is seen with the eyes is temporal; that which is unseen is eternal. And so, yeah, we don't see the unseen or eternal world, but something is going on out there. How? how and 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 one out of every three evangelical Christians surveyed said that they don't believe Satan exists. How does this ignorance among Christians work to Satan's advantage?
1: I believe it's a peer report in 2014 or 15, but excuse me, I'm off for a year or so. They're talking about biblical illiteracy. And it's cut it short is we don't study the Bible for ourselves. I love my pastor. You love your pastor. Best guy in of history world. Love. But I have to read it for myself. Yeah. If I don't, what's going to happen? Uh, I can fault anything. We now have another uh, like, you know, foster daughter, beautiful young girl. She didn't know anything about Christianity prior to us having her. Now she's been with us two years. When someone says something other than Christianity, she says, Well, is that right? But well, she says, No. When she getting a foundation, but she's in the habit pulling. Yeah. When I talk to our men, I say, Tonight, Mary Fire, we talked to me, I'm, I'm asking them, well, What is heaven? and you get some typical things, but you say, well, go a little deeper. A little deeper. What are do you doing in your spiritual form, um, formation? Are you studying reading? Are you meditating? Things like that are gonna help us become better men. But unfortunately, if we do not put the time in to know more about Christ, we're gonna fall. The an example of a, we talk about a twisted scripture. You know, people notice say that Adam blamed his wife when he took a, they' to say what, the apple, right? It doesn't say apple, but just use the apple. Yeah. And I asked him, and I said, does it really say that? I said, did he tell the truth, or was he blaming? Because he said, she gave me this uh, this apple, or, or what, she gave it to me. It's two different things, the emphasis. I said, well, if we change it in order to make the woman look bad, or make him bad, you're not really making a great, good argument you're not helping us out. Instead, we need to talk with Scripture what it means and then take the spirit of some of the things to remember in Scripture what happens. Some is direct and some are just for all of us in general. I think some of us don't do that. I've talked to men in ministry for a couple of years here. And I'll ask, how many of you pray with your wife? Typically, I don't say, say 50, 60 men. It may be five, maybe six men that say I do regularly. I was preaching the other day and I asked the men, I said, how many of you pray with your wife? And who, you know, who one of you guys' wife more spiritual? All the guys raised, not all, but a lot of raised. Hey, oh, my wife, boy. My wife. I said, well, catch up. You're the leader. <laughs> and oh, they laughed. Then I'll pause a little bit. I said, but you are. And then she may be ahead of you, but you had to go, you need to start studying. So now we go back to the very portion, of, first point of your question. Is that what Satan can use? Yes, because you don't, do not know what the enemy is doing or what some things that's not Christian you can always fall to it. So I encourage them to create or maintain a Christian worldview. It's simple and is whatever I do, i filter it through the, through the Bible. But if I do not read the Bible, how am I to filter it to the Bible? Mm. I had that same issue. I didn't realize this a couple of years ago I really became a Christian. I, my uh, stepfather and uncle died the same week. So it was devastating. so I'm in Panama, the country of Panama. And i have talked to my supervisor, I got to get to our Red Cross, I got to get out of here. And I said, I feel bad because the Bible says that we should rejoice when someone dies. But it doesn't say that. It's about a scripture where the family that prays together stays together. But I didn't know. But then I realized I did know some things after that. It was on. I mean, I started studying, I was questioning everything. I want to find out what the Bible really says and what it means to me now. You know, you got to contextualize some things. I get yeah. it. Mm-hmm you got to be, again, alert.
0: So, hey, yeah, we believe that uh, men should know the Word of God better than anyone in their family and that they need to—a lot of them are playing catch-up. You know, I love what you said earlier. You said that when we read the Bible, there's a very direct line towards us and there's a general, you know, statement for everybody. Uh, This book you wrote, Outside the Wire— you focused on a verse in the Bible that I love I think it's the great one of the great man verses in the Bible and it is directly speaking to men and the the passage is kind of weird if you read first Corinthians chapter 16 Paul's saying a bunch of stuff in the middle of what he's saying he throws these two verses in that are just for men and I think it's really interesting w- what inspired you to focus a whole book on that verse Eves?
1: depending on which uh, version you look at what I'm says this act like men. I'm not certain I need to say any more than that. Act <laughs> like men.
0: My translation says that, too.
1: I love that. Yeah, Because you cannot, as you say, you cannot wordsmith that. You can't dumb it down. He's telling you up front. Men, we must be in the forefront. Yes, we understanding. We all don't have to be the tip of the spear. We can be the handle, but we have to be in the battle. We must fight. And remember, we're, we're conquerors. So I love that. And But he also tied in the issue of love. And with the love, it's not just for us, but also for our fellow brothers and sisters also, so I love that. But also be alert. I just think that's great. Stand firm in the faith. Not going to the left, going to the right, not acquiesce to what they say in society for new convictional wisdom or whatever, fly-by-night new thing. No. Act like men. So I like that. I just love that scripture. Yeah.
0: So the verse, just in case you guys are wondering, it's 1 Corinthians 16, 13 and 14, which reads in my translation, New American Standard, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. And I I love it, Eves. In the in the NIV, it says, be courageous. In the in the New King James, it says be brave. But my favorite is the King James version quit you like men. <laughs> men don't quit. I love it. And so, do you yeah. want to take? You want to tackle that word, that Greek word? You, can you pronounce it? It's no. an- Andrizethe. Andrizethe.
1: Yeah. Wow. I have never looked that up in Greek. That's <laughs> interesting because I do that often for Bible studies. Actually, actually, you
0: did. It's in your book.
1: <laughs> I don't remember doing that. Yeah, wow, in, awesome. in your book,
0: you said that it means uh, "be men" constantly. So, so be men. Con- but, but the bottom line is this: this word. Is a word, I think it's the only time used in the New Testament, and it is a word that is directed to men specifically as a gender. And so I loved your translation where you said it's, uh, it means be men constantly. I love that. So walk us through the, the verse. Why did you select that verse, uh, or what did you want to get men to get out of this passage so that you wrote a book?
1: I want to be battle ready. I go back to what we said earlier that we're in the spiritual warfare and if in the warfare, how can I make this akin to actual warfare? I had an opportunity to go speak at Iron Sharp and Iron in Phoenix and they say, what are you going to talk about? And they said, we well, talk about spiritual warfare. I said, oh, well, yes, I can. So let's, let's do this. So then I started thinking about what I, we did in Afghanistan that was outside the wire. Outside the wires me outside of the camp. You're a little more exposed, you know, have all the things around you. So when our men, we're not around the church, or we're not around other men or people supporting us, what's of the danger you can have? And I was we were doing Bible studies. First uh, Corinthians uh, 16 was one of the things we had to be talking about. I was in Virginia at the time. And I said, I like how they really broke down a few things we need to do as men. I mean, he didn't... Do a dissertation, anything like that. He said, "A couple lines. What do we need to do." So I said, "I think that's something I can form to make for the book." So I start working the issues, start putting things to have proper perspectives that does really make sense, and then I try to apply something that had happened before.
0: Yeah, and 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 you did some good. App- I really appreciate your application from your experiences overseas, and then some other stuff. So if we break this down, can we break this verse down in the moving components like you did in your book? Sure. So you, you start off and you have a chapter called, you know, on Be on the Alert. Mm-hmm. So can you walk us through the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and how that relates to being on the alert constantly?
1: When you're stationed station or live in the D.C., many of us who go down to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. What was interesting for me, no matter what happened, no matter what weather is going on, it could be 95 degrees or it could be 4 degrees. And I think it was maybe 2010 to 11. I forget what the year, we had this big, huge um, snowstorm coming through. A lot of the people in the military, except for the people who were, um, yeah, certain personnel that had to be there, but then everyone else, they want to have a skeleton crew. Uh, different stores were closed, schools were closed. But in the military, those guys who volunteered for unknown soldier, they stayed there no matter what. Despite the danger to themselves, they stayed there and alert and showing that uh, we might, uh, lose, uh, would not leave our, our, our brother in arm, although brother's dead at a time, but that's uh, the spirit of it. I thought that was something good to use, and how can I make that relate to all of us? No matter what goes on, all the things that start coming towards us, we still have to stay there on guard no matter what, and particularly with our families, because if we don't do it, Dev like, well, thank you so very much. Now I have some more people I can have. So you have to be the one on guard during those difficult times. It, everybody can stay together when everything's nice and easy. But when the again, Mike Tyson around the corner and popping you in the head, because what happens, a lot <laughs> of people want to So, what does
0: that look like in everyday life for a man to be on the alert?
1: Like I mentioned earlier, am I paying attention or am I putting that time in with them to help them become better? How do I put that time in? Am I devoting um, time for myself spiritually so that I can be attuned to what God will help me to say and do or not do? And I'm going to give you an example right now. This happened literally three hours ago. Three hours ago. Wow. We, a, uh, we moved to our neighborhood, and the guy who was cutting grass, I don't know him, he don't know us, he came to my door and was cursing and fussing and saying that what he will do. And I said, like, what are you talking about? He said, these blank, he blank. I me. Mean, he used a lot of colorful words. Man, I hadn't always been a Christian either, so I know what he was talking about. And I said, well, I started getting mad. He just I not about my wife. So now I forgot my Christianity. Well, you cannot do it. Seriously. You, you, he would hit home. He hit nerve. And so I said, hold on. I said a few nice things here. No profanity. I said, but you need to back off a second. And we went back and forth. And he said, "I'm called a sheriff." I said, "Let's bring him on." Move fast forward. The sheriff came, and said, "Oh, he's wrong, whatever," and he started back my, my wife and I. My wife and I, two other people in the neighborhood, don't know anyone. We just literally just got here that day. So I had to start praying for this guy because every time I saw him, I what's that Greek word? Oh yeah, punch him in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. Air. I'm being funny, but you can't do that. And I, I had a little fun with it, but I did get mad at I said, Well, I can't do that kind of thing. And I was like, But I was mad because this guy, he's threatening my family. Who do you think you are? But then I said, Hold up. What's really happening here? I had to pray. Then my wife saw him today and said, oh, I want to apologize. Although he was wrong. And even what he said happened, then what would transpire is something totally different because he came to our doorbell and started cursing. And I said, Well, how's this going on spiritually? We've been teaching our grand, uh, new daughter. But how we have to have forgiveness, we have, we've been talking about grace, and also about love. But if you can't, if you extend that only to people that's nice to you, or you're not doing it in the spirit of what Christ wants to have. So I said this happened three, uh, three hours ago, it came to fruition. Now can we forgive someone who clearly did something wrong? If we're not attuned spiritually what we should be doing, those opportunities will keep passing by. So how do you do that? Let me talk to our, grand, our daughter, when she comes home. Remember, we tell you this has happened, and this is how you work this issue and move on. So, I really like an example by being alert and paying attention.
0: All right, hey, we're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsors. We're going to come right back. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with a mission to help men become their best version and change their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts, and every man in the arena matters. Our closed Facebook forum for men, appropriately called Men in the Arena, is a great way for you to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Hey, because of my passion to see men get out of the bleachers into the arena, I want to offer a free resource to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Simply give us your email, we'll send you a PDF copy of the field guide. This is my 365-day bathroom book for men. It's a study of manly words in the Bible illustrated with great stories. This is a great resource for all of our arena men. Guys, you're going to love this book. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those in the anonymous bleachers pleading for you to get in the arena today? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. Hey, in your book, you quoted Origin, and he, he said this: quote, True soldiers of Christ must always be prepared to do battle for truth and must never, so far as it lies with them, allow false convictions to creep in. And then on page 11 in your book, you wrote, when a Christian's spiritual eyes are shut or sleepy, he can fall more easily into sin. Can you explain those quotes in the context of staying alert?
1: Without using any names, we were stationed in Greece. uh, Helicon Air everybody's Greece. And at the time, there was a socialist movement and there's also some terror groups. Uh, Just a few months ago prior, they had uh, taken two military people um, on the plane and diverted it. And just before that in a place called Bobby Bar, Bobby Bar, they had uh, detonated a bomb and in a few days prior to that, they had uh, did a bomb by a hotel. So some of our guys called security forces, basically the cops. One of the guys in the area that's really vulnerable, he decided to take a quick nap. He knew the dangers, but he said, well, I was just tired. And although he was tired, and I get it, he in the hours, a lot of hours, and there was a lot of stuff, a lot of stress. I mean, it was We were used to that. The terrorism right then, there's nothing compared to terrorism now, but it was new to us. Mm-hmm. But those sleepy eyes allowed other people to come into hurt us and there was a bomb inside our base. And we don't know if it's the same person because of what he did, but being sleepy and not being on guard uh was a potential to hurt everyone on base.
0: Yeah, we gotta be really careful as men to fall asleep on the watch. Have you heard of Cooper's color codes for readiness? Have you heard of this? No. He was a Cooper was a, a Marine and he uh coined this phrase, this Cooper's tactical readiness conditions, white Being in your phone, texting, you really are oblivious to what's going around you. Yellow, you're calm, but you're alert to your surroundings. Orange is uh, you're at a heightened awareness because something has just happened, and and you can tell it's not normal or right, and something's getting ready to go down. And then red is when it goes down and you move forward. And so uh, what I hear you saying is that men should live their lives in the yellow. Always alert and ready yet calm and and just waiting for that opportunity to then they're going to have to respond or react. Yes. So now I really I appreciate that. I just think that uh, it's so easy when we're living in a stress bubble of life to to take a nap on our family or take a nap on our marriage or fall asleep when we're on the watch when our kids are uh, doing their life and and not engaging with them and I think it's so important for men to realize that this this bubble really we need to have those guys outside the wire alert and inside the wire alert at all times because this guy that fell asleep exactly.
1: the guy exactly. that
0: fell asleep that you in your story he was inside the wire wasn't he
1: yes he was he was supposed to be the protector
0: yeah so that's that's so I think a lot of times guys go wait I'm outside the wire working doing my thing and we're saying hey buddy when you come home you need to be alert don't just do it out there do it here
1: Yes, because uh, it's not really a scripture, but you hear a lot of people tell us the ministry, your first ministry is home with your family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sometimes I go back earlier. I told my daughter, I said, if I take the hit, sometimes you just got to take, absorb some blows in order to bring someone closer to you so you can uh, help them out. But if I'm so concentrated on ministry that I forget my marriage, well, I'm losing. I can be the most successful person in the world. And I was actually saying this, uh, September, I was speaking at a naval uh, at a Navy base and I said, I can be the most successful guy, have a billion dollars and my name's in life but if my wife doesn't think I'm successful because I'm so far gone, uh, I'm a loser. I'm not a winner. I'm a loser because the most important thing, I'm not taking care of. So I agree with you 100%. Yeah, that's true. So, well, let's move on to
0: your book. Uh, you move into the next section of this passage, which is Stand Firm in the Faith. And you wrote this on page thirty-two. You said, "How you stand will become evident once your faith meets your life." Again, you're talking about in the context of this convergent point. So, yeah. so what does it look like for a man who is standing firm in the faith? And this also goes. This also probably relates to your thin red line, right? So he's standing firm. In this case, he's standing firm in the faith. What does that guy look like to you?
1: I think you look like you and Dale, really. You're being that man in faith, not just talking about something, but you're actually doing it. But not just yes. doing it. Your actions encourage other men and women too. Don't be wrong. I know some talking about men, but other yeah. women. Yeah. Because this is why I believe. And no matter what, I'm standing firm in this, and I'm moving forward with that higher goal and that calling of a Christ. I think it also shows not just that I pray, but also I can be benevolent. I show love and compassion. I give grace when I may not have to, but what's the, uh, the godly thing to do? I can talk to that LGBT person and not just say, why are you going to hell? But say, why not join me in heaven? I can show them love. The phrase that some people say, I love you. Uh, uh, well, I guess I should say said that way. But I think it's the action more than anything else. And faith Yes, a lot of us say we have faith, but the hard part, as you mentioned earlier, on the point of conversion, cannot do that. But as you're doing, and Dale's doing, and thousands of other men's in the men's ministry and fathers and, and husbands, we're leading our family the correct way, and we're taking that time to invest in them. We say, instead of going to Easter Egg Hunt, darling, this is what an Easter Egg Hunt really means. It's nothing with Christianity. It means this right here. And the heart choice, but the faith is I won't compromise my faith and just to be along with everyone else. So that's the difference. But you need to be a different maker. You can't just be like everyone else. So the faith, you're talking about how it looks, is looks how we should all be looking in every aspect we have, going back to that worldview too, that we should be looking different than everyone else. We look the same, but we should look different. And people should know different about us when we're standing firm. Case in point, just say when something's going wrong in your job, who do they go to? I, I don't believe in Christ. I don't hear any of that nonsense, but I have an issue with my wife. She's hurt, or she's sick, or whatever's going on, or we have a marriage problem. They still seek you out because they understand that you are a man of faith. The ones who say they're men of faith, but they, they kind of blend in with everyone else, they're not running to those people. They're really going to run to you.
0: Yeah, I'm really processing what you're saying. It's resonating with me. I... I uh, to stand firm in the faith is to be a man of action when it comes to his faith. It needs to be a man from your book that implements some kind of spiritual battle plan. And it seems to me that, and tell me what you think about this, to draw a line in the sand, to have that thin red line and say, this is me, I'm, drawing, I'm uh, taking my stand of faith here, that needs to be compounded over time as well. How does a guy do that? I see, you, know, you and I, Eves, have seen a lot of men over time that kind of falter. How does a man stand firm in the faith over time? Because the Bible says, be careful that you stand firm in the faith lest you fall. And it's almost a warning for guys who are like, hey, man, I'm solid right here, baby. I'm standing. And the Bible's almost warning them. How does that guy ensure himself that he will stand firm for a lifetime and not falter? I don't
1: think that's a really easy answer. And so I'll just open up my shirt and you'll see my, my heart. I can say I will never look at another woman because Jennifer's the only person I want to have. As soon as I said that, I'm going to see 10, 15 women. Matter of fact, I better, better, take a better example. A better example. Uh, Dave, Dave Brown, he's the leader of the uh, Washington Air Coalition of Men's Ministry. They asked me to come speak there at the Iron Shopping Nine meeting, talk about faith in the workplace. And I said, this is great. So he asked me to go to this mall that um, it was not too far from me, but uh, a good distance. I don't know anything about it. And I'm talking about being faithful to your wife and being faithful to God. That's the context. I walked up and I just had a beautiful lunch with my wife. Maybe one of the best days. I didn't even want to leave because it was so wonderful. But then I went to the mall. Every beautiful woman that you can think of. Or what you like? I had to stop in the mall at the dark field for him. I said, God, what's going on? I don't get it. What's going on? Because now I want to turn and look. But if I turn and look, then I gave the devil a foothold. I said, What's going on? Then it hit me. You're going to be talking about uh, faithfulness and not uh, doing anything wrong. But if I didn't keep a connection with Christ, I think it's easier for me to fall. But if I had another brother, which I had some brothers there who I can talk to, who would lock on with me and say, Well, I, I'm i getting a little, a little weak. I, I'm not doing anything, but if I do, or then I'm not saying accountability partner. This is a good phrase, to, but really, I saw want to walk with me. If I didn't have those things, I think I could easily fall. And nothing was going wrong. Our marriage was doing something I mean, really rolling. It was just the best it could be at that particular moment. There was nothing wrong, but I may miss something. So I think the faith walking that faith, and it's and action you're t- we're talking about now, is that I can be kind of recognize that what hurts me at the first level now, two weeks, to a year down the line, may not be the same thing, but something has to come. But I, be understand- I must understand that I can always fall, so I can be ready, and always be on my knees, always praying, and also to talk to other people who can keep me accountable and strengthen me in the walk, what we're going through together.
0: What I, what I hear you saying, Eves, is is that you need guardrails or you need to add sandbags or what's this wire called in the military what's this wire called there's a name you had it in your book it's razor wire. wire it's what razor wa-
1: wire? what's it called want a wire
0: yeah i call it razor wire but it's got that that's what it's called the actual oh, okay. name huh. <laughs> and so we need to not only build our walls high but we need to put the wire up there and build guardrails so when those times come that's part of standing, fir- standing firm in the faith, right, is knowing that stuff is going to come our way, and we need to guard against that, right?
1: Yeah, you hit a head on a nail because it doesn't stop. Yeah. Saying doesn't, well, you reach this level, okay, uh, there are no more problems for you at all. No, it doesn't really work that way. It'll it come another way, but again, that's why we have one another to strengthen us in the faith also. But also, obviously, you've to walk with, you got to do with Christ no matter what. Yeah, well you- I, actually, I have even opened up with my wife some things. So she has understanding to help me out, I'm not going to say every detail of what's going on. I'll say, hey, I'm an issue right now. Can you continue to pray with me? Because X, Y, and Z. Well, I was going to go into the Navy and also talk to the Air Force Base, at the Air Force Base, too. I said, I pray for Esther. I, I don't want them to say how great the, the speech was and all that. No, lies be changed by the gospel. Yeah. Everything I talk about is undergraded by the gospel. So I'm have someone go along with me, even when I'm going out talking about something else. And when you're, a lot of men sometimes may be a little weaker when they're not with their spouse, and they uh, go go away overnight to another city, may do things they shouldn't do. But I'm praying for you to be praying for me also.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I know when we travel to speak, I always bring somebody with me. Because I just think it's smart to be on the guard and alert. You never know what's going to happen. And so I love the quote. uh, You quoted Gary DeLashmut in your book, and he said, it means standing from the faith means to dig in and stubbornly refuse to give ground. And I have a picture in my mind of the Roman phalanx that these guys dug in and were not mm-hmm. moving. And so I love the word picture. So uh, so as we move in through your book, we get to be men of courage or act like men. Again, we talked about this as a gender-specific word. When you when you look at a man who is acting like a man, when Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthian men who had a lot of issues in that church, what what does it look like to act like a
1: man? There's several aspects, but I said the easiest, if we're married, is to, to lead. I can't think who said this, but there was about once a man stands up and has that arch in the back, other men will follow also. The being courageous is that I'm okay that I'll have to sacrifice some things that I want in order to be for my wife. I think some of us think that if you go to war, how crazy that is, how, how courageous that is, or you smoke, go into the burning building to save uh, 15 women, four dogs, and a cat. That's all great stuff. But I think it's more courageous that I feel the the position God has given me, be it father, uncle, husband, son, and also being that godly man, it's courageous that I will not do what society says is good and look at a show, just say scandal. I know that it's not pornography, but it's along that line. It's courageous to say that no, we won't participate in this because uh, that's not what God will have us do. It's courageous that I'll, and, it, and it, going, it may be going against what your wife and your kids want, but the courageous part is that I lead and I have to lead in a fashion that would make God happy for us. There would be courageous that. I, instead of lashing back out as a guy we talked about earlier, I said, no, instead, I'll be gracious and be courageous to come to you. Because if I do that, I may have an opportunity to show him what Christ is is also. But courageous comes in a lot of ways. Yeah, It's not just about being in the wartime. What
0: would you say to a man who is, you worked with military men and women, what would you say to a single man if he were to ask you, what does it look like to act like a man, even though he's single, what would you say to him?
1: I happened to tell the guys the last one you and I was at the Iron Trap that I was praying for my son-in-law, since my daughter was about eight or nine years old, and didn't know him, obviously, because they were eight, nine years old at the time. And as started getting to meet him, and they were obviously single. I would talk to him about being courageous is doing what I just said earlier about me as being a husband, I'm still of doing the same things that I'll have no fear of not looking like everyone else. But I said I embrace my difference because I'm in an exclusive club, a club called Christianity and I have to act in a certain kind of way. But also that I have the courage to that I will do the right things. When no one's looking at me, uh, because I know that's pleasing to God, just be a go on. It's kind of repeat in a sense. What I do as a, as a husband, only thing different from the husband, the father is I add those aspects on that I wouldn't do with the, the single single man. And we have a lot of single men in our church, yeah. so we're actually trying to mentor them now because they don't see how they fit. So we're trying to show them that you're no different. Matter of fact, this may be dip, more difficult for you because. You don't have that spouse or that child, so you have a lot of time, which Paul talked about. You can give more time to God, but you have more opportunities to, to fall. While you need men like us to help you out, to keep you strong as you go through this. So the courageous part go that, is that they can keep that commitment of being holy as a, a weight on the spouse that God has, will provide for them.
0: Yeah, I know. I resonate with that, uh, Eves, because I've been praying for my daughters-in-law for 20-plus years. I have three sons, none of them are married, and I've been praying for their wives for 20 years. And I guess if I could tell young men one thing, you talked about live a holy life. Mm -hmm. What what I hear that is, keep your pants on. (laughs) Save yourself, your greatest gift you can give. If you're a single guy, listen to this, man, the greatest way you can be a man right now and the greatest gift you can give to your wife is your virginity. I mean, it, it's tough, but you can do it, guy. You know, so suck it up, be strong, be a man, and and live a holy life. I think that's good. So, speaking of being well, strong, on that,
1: on that, that's the issue that I said they have more opportunity to fail because society telling us go get her, go get as many women as possible. You know, yes. What I, I grew up, but once I learned by the Christian walk, I said I was wrong, and these men who are telling me what to do, they're wrong. So that's the hard part. we have some older men that are single also waiting for their their bride and we have some younger men also in our church. And to encourage them, it's difficult sometimes because they well, you know you don't understand. I said yes we do. our, our just issues maybe just be a little bit different, but if you can do that, you can maintain that. boy, would be something great for your family and also God will be saying, well done.
0: You know, I've never heard a Christian man say, I wish I would have slept with more women before I was married. I've never heard it. It's always the opposite.
1: I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's exactly. always the
0: opposite. And so I think that's funny. Hey, so in chapter 4 your title your chapter title there's be strong which is the next part of this passage. You know, the word be strong, those words are mentioned 30 times in the Bible, but the more literal the more literal translation is be made strong. So uh, I love the quote in uh, Phillips Brooks in your in your uh, in your in your book. You quoted Phillips Brooks, and he said this: "Do not pray for easy lives; pray to be stronger men. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers; pray for powers equal to your tasks." So, do you want to unpack "be strong" and why you put this Brooks quote in the book?
1: Because that was a failure on my part. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I wanted that I to go away. I don't want to have to deal with those issues, but that's, that's not the case. You can't take the easy path. I mean, we're men. We had to go through the heart, the muck and mire. So it was, a, it was a challenge. It was a call to arms to do what's right. But how to build that up, though? We're going back to what we said at the very beginning that's back with the word of God and your relationship with Christ. But as before, I was a Christian. I would say, again, no, take it away from me. But now, break it on. God, help me through this. I can do this. It's going to hurt. There may be some scrapes, but once I come through that fire, it's going to happen. I'm that much better of a Christian person. Gosh, so I thought it was a challenge.
0: I love what you just said. You kind of flew over it, but I'm going to, you said basically a man, it's it's the difference between saying take it away versus bring it on. Because no, God, on. nobody wants to experience pain. Nobody wants to sacrifice Inherently, we're selfish. We don't want to do those things. And men say, "Bring it on! I will, I will, I will do that." And and you know, Eves. I mean, I'm looking across at a very fit, 200 pound man. You you didn't get that way by living the easy life on the couch, buddy.
1: Huh? <laughs> you, I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of pain and resistance involved in in a in a 50 year old man who's who's uh, in shape like you are.
1: Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> There's been some
0: pain, though. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, hey, remember when we were in high school? Do you remember that poster that was a big fat guy with his shirt off, sitting on a keg of beer, and it said "No pain, no pain." Do <laughs> you remember that? Like that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But there's oh, that's true though. <laughs> yeah, there, there's yeah, there no pain, no pain. But there's pain and resist. If we're gonna be made strong, we need to, as men. Practice resistance and push against force, and 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 uh, that's how we we get strong. You in your picture on the back of your book, you're carrying a few extra pounds, and seventy of those pounds is your gear. You know, we push against being made strong. We like the end result of being made strong, but in the middle is a lot of pain and resistance and pushing into force. And how how do you use that in your life to be made strong?
1: Offspring is one way. I mean, you just cut through the chase. Uh, the two girls, beautiful, beautiful kids. We have one down, the other one was so reunified. It's good to say we need to do something for people that uh, out there who need help. There's another to actually do it. And then to try to pour into the person to show them love, <laughs> name everything Christianity because they know anything about Christianity. So uh, I can say whatever, every aspect of it. But then the growing pain with that, too, because you're talking about someone who don't know uh, what it means to not go to Halloween because we always did the trick-or-treating. Don't know what love means and different aspects of it. So as you're pushing or as you're talking in the aspects of weights and working out, you don't become stronger until you actually start doing those things and see how it works. issue of grace, I've been challenged a lot with grace and love. Because you're talking to someone who don't know anything about that at all. To bring it to your family, someone who don't know anything about that, and then you change up. But it tells us in the Bible about taking care of the orphans. And the I'm not an orphan, but i using that context right yeah. there. But it's that practicing of your faith. I don't know if you play baseball, football. You you play football. You know that as much as you practice, you hate it. It's the most horrible thing. It's a waste of time. But that muscle memory but come back. So I said executing the lifestyle you profess is what will help us become that stronger person.
0: Yeah, the, uh, you, what you just said segued beautifully into the final final point and chapter 5 in your book, which is do everything in love. So I think it's—why do you think Paul did that? Why do you think he would take verse 13 and address that specifically to men and then— Follow up with that real short verse. Let all that you do be done in love. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on that, Eves?
1: Well, this is an underpinning of our religion is love. And love doesn't mean give you all what you need. It gives you what you, you want. is what you need. So we talk about God is love. We also talk about the fact about Jesus. Well, he talked about the spiritual warfare, but we also know that if we do not help bring that brother or sister along, have yeah, two choices. Going to heaven or you can be a crispy critter. Well we want everyone <laughs> to do what? To go to heaven, correct? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think he tells us no matter what we do, we must love our brothers no matter what, even if they're in the wrong or at a fault, but we can still show them the right way. And that way be towards Christ.
0: Man, I appreciate that so much, man. Hey, hey Eves, we're at the end of our time, man. It flew fast. Uh how can our men in the arena pick up a copy of your book? Could you, uh, you have a website they can go to?
1: You can go to Christ and My or you can go to Amazon uh, and be on Eve Johnson on Amazon and also have it. Well, that's the two biggest places, There's a little place with some bookstores, but that's the best place.
0: Okay, so Christ is My Savior Ministries. Ministries.org. Okay, great. Hey, Eve, sure. if you were to tell our guys and give our guys one action step from this podcast, what would it be?
1: Take the next couple of days to pray to God and ask Him to reveal your mission in life, and give you the power and the strength, determination, and discernment to live out that mission. Because together we can help transform lives, as we used to say in the old church. We depopulate heaven or hell by populating heaven, and we can't do that unless we equip the saints for the work of the ministry.
0: Hey, I, I love that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put that into the, your book phrases here. I'm gonna say, guys, get down there and pray this week and develop a battle plan for your life. Write it down, pray over it, get that thing going. And guys, uh, hey, thanks so much, These for coming on our podcast for being a man of wisdom and being a man yourself, and uh, join us as a man in the arena. So thank
1: you so much for coming on. And thank you. It's my honor and pleasure to be here to spend a few moments with you. Yeah, us us too, man.
0: It's too. Hey, guys, we will also uh, post our boots on the ground action item for you to pray about and build a mission or a battle plan. We'll post that. On our equipping blast that you will receive when you go to menintharena.org and grab a free PDF copy of my bathroom book for men. And also make sure while you're at it to head over to Facebook, join the Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men. Hey guys, did you know the Men in the Arena is a nonprofit, crowd funded organization that exists to inspire men to become their best version? Because of a large group of generous donors like you guys, we are able to freely offer this podcast, weekly equipping blast, discussion forums, plus, Our small group resources, free for all missionaries and men in underdeveloped nations. And you can find out more about how to support this ministry at menintharena.org. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Get outside the wire. Grind it out. And
1: be a man.
2: This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. In our passion to help all arena men, we're offering an excellent free resource when you visit our homepage at meninarena.org. Simply give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of Jim's book for men called The Field Guide, a bathroom book for men a daily study of manly words in the Bible explained with great stories. Thank you for listening to this episode of Men in the Arena podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, thank you for joining men in the arena from around the world who are becoming their best version. And remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins.